right. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Dreamers Succeed podcast. I am so excited because today I have the pleasure of introducing you to Leslie Rasmussen. She is the author of After Happily Ever After. We're going to talk about that because I know that title is super intriguing. A uh, little bit about her. She graduated with a bachelor's in communications from UCLA and went on to write television comedies. She's also a member of the Writers Guild of America West. She wrote for uh, Gerald McRaney, Burt Reynolds, Roseanne Barr, Norm MacDonald, Drew Carey, Ralph Macchio, as well as the Wild Thornberries. My daughter actually just made it in from out of town. I introduced them right before the show. My daughter's a huge fan and actually lives this really wild Thornberry life. And she is super tickled that she got to meet Leslie right before we jumped on. And she also wrote for Sweet Valley High. Now, later, she earned her master's degree in nutrition and ran her own business for 10 years. So most recently, and that's what we're going to be talking a lot about today, um, Leslie's written personal essays for online magazines such as The Huffington Post, Maria Shriver, and She Knows. She has two adorable Labradors and is a member of the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. She has also volunteered at local animal shelters and lives in Los Angeles. She has two sons and a husband, and she has been with her husband, Ready, since college. Um, and she just published her debut novel. So please help me welcome Leslie. Woo! Yay! Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank Yay! you. I'm so happy. Leslie, I know how busy you are, and I know that you are on the West Coast, so we're on different time zones. But I'm so grateful that you have made the time to come and share with us, girl. It is of course. midway through 2021. How has this year been for you so far? So busy. The, <laughs> my book came out April 6th. So the lead up to the book coming out was just like crazy. crazy. And then the book <laughs> came out. And so it's been busy and trying to write another book and get people to know about this book. So yeah, it's, it's been good, but it's been I very love busy. It. Oh, I love it. I love it. And let's, let's talk a little bit about that. But before we do, Leslie, um, not giving what I've already given away, but, but for those of you who don't know you yet, can you share a little bit of your nutshell, like in your words, who is Leslie? Well, I started when I got out of college, I always knew I wanted to be a writer. Or actually, I shouldn't say that. I thought I wanted to be in the business, but I didn't really know exactly what, but I wrote my whole life. So I don't know why I didn't immediately go to writing. Mm -hmm. um, and I got a lot of different jobs on a lot of different shows. And I was kept watching the sitcom writers. I was on what was the Mary Tyler Moore lot, which is now CBS Radford here in Studio City. Wow. And I just kept watching all the writers. And I read scripts and I really thought, I don't know why I thought naively, I can do this. <gasps> I so love it. I love it. in my spare time, I was actually working on a show called Hill Street Blues, which I'm sure a lot of people yes. do know. Yep. And that was drama. But Great in my show. spare time on the show, I was writing comedy and I just kept going. And I met a lot of different people in the comedy world as writers. And I eventually just showed them a script. And that script led to um, an episode of Major Dad. And wow. that once that happened, I quit my job. Now, at this point, I wasn't even on Hill Street anymore. I had moved over. I had worked on ALF. 
I had worked on um, the Carol Burnett show, the newer wow. one, it was yeah. Carol and Company. Yeah. And at that point I thought, well, I sold a script, I'll quit because I got an agent and I quit. And I started doing freelance, which was great. I enjoyed it. And I was on a few pilots and a few different things. And then as time went on, I got married and I had kids. And once I had my kids, I knew I could no longer work those hours. Right. I mean, I was working till one and two in the morning and I couldn't wow. do that. Wow. So I did some freelance at the beginning of both my kids' lives. And when my youngest went to kindergarten, I realized the business had changed. I wasn't going to get back in because of the way things had worked out. So I decided what was my second favorite thing, which was always nutrition and health and helping people get healthy. Mm -hmm. So I went back and got a master's. I did that and I opened my own business. I worked with some nutritionists for a while and then I decided to open my own business. But while I was doing that, I just kept going back to the writing. So I started writing personal essays about my husband and me or my kids and them going off to summer camp and all kinds of things. And they ended up, most of them, over 20 of them were on Huffington Post. Wow. So I had a little bit of a following, but not really. And then um, when my son became pretty independent, both of them mm -hmm. in high school, I decided, you know what? I don't wanna do nutrition anymore. As much as I love it, I love writing. That is my passion. And I thought, you know, I'm not too old to go back. I mean, right. you know, it's like, I'm just going to go back and start doing it again. So I did a lot of research. I didn't, I knew I wasn't going back into the business. Um, I knew that I was going to try and write something completely different. Mm -hmm. So I started out thinking I would write nonfiction. And I put together this survey for women. I wanted to write a book for women about women and about their relationships. And it didn't have to be, it could be straight or gay, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted it to be about conflict in relationships, how people handle conflict, especially women. Right. Um, how you know their sex lives change over the years, how they handle money and all kinds of things, romance. And I put together the survey and I made it anonymous. And when all the um, answers came in, I started looking at it and I actually started writing this nonfiction book but it didn't fill me the way other things had filled me, the way writing television had filled me up. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I would make it fiction and I would use my background in fiction to write the book wow. and use my background in comedy, but it's also a very realistic portrayal of people. And the characters are really, especially the main characters, is it really an amalgamation of, of all these women that I had met whether they were moms that I knew, whether they were part of the survey, there was so many similarities in women, especially in middle age, wow. about aging, about all kinds of things. So that is what I decided to do. And that is kind of how I got here um, <laughs> to write the book. <laughs> I love that. And Leslie, I wanna, I wanna talk about the book in a minute, but I, I just wanna ask you because it's always been so interesting to me, especially because you're just, that's your default, right? It's in your DNA. You're a writer, you're a writer, you're a writer. But when you are doing it professionally for someone, you know, as a, as a freelancer or on a, on a, on a crew or, or as a writer for a sitcom or all, all this, these things that you've done through your illustrious career, how does the, 
you know, they talk about writer's block, right? Mm-hmm. When you are, when you are slated to perform and I, and I know, again, it's, it just pours from your heart, but how do you keep coming up with material? Especially when it's, when it's the comedic, I'm, I'm just, I've, I've always been fascinated by that. Well, it depends in television, unless you create your own show, which I did not, you're always going by somebody else's vision. So you're really, you're helping, you're in the room talking about story ideas and where characters can go and what you want to do with them. But you're never at a loss for ideas because they're somebody else's. Okay. And so in a sense, that took a lot of responsibility off of me, which was great, I have to say, (laughs) because I never thought, oh my God, I have to have an idea. Um, When I wrote my own specs to get a job, they were my idea, but they were based on shows that were already on the air. Okay. At the time, you always wrote, a, you picked a show like Seinfeld or something that was on the air at the time, and you wrote an episode of that. And then they looked at it to see if you got the characters. Things have completely changed. They don't want to see anything now that's not original. So okay. now it's completely different. Okay. But okay. at the time, um, writing a book was one of those things that was coming up with ideas. And that is, uh, there's people out there that have a billion ideas, but they never put them to work. Right. I'm one of those people who have less ideas, but I absolutely put them to work when I have right. them. Right. Beautiful. So it's one of those things that just sort of hits me. And with this particular story, it hit me because of a few reasons, but one of being this survey that I took, mm-hmm. because so many people told so many stories in it that were about women in midlife saying, okay, my kids are leaving or my kids are in high school and they don't, you know, they're independent, they're running around, they're never home. Where does that leave me if I did quit my job? And I loved my job. Like some people can get back in. I mean, it depends on what you do. I know people who are teachers that kind of went back and they had to go back through being subs and things like that. But some businesses, you can't get back in. And if you're a woman and you don't think about that ahead of time, like what job can I take where I might be able to get back in if I love my job? And I did. Then it's a lot harder. Wow. Super important. Super important because sometimes we don't, we don't think of that, especially that, that most of us, if we're going to take a pause or do something where we have more flexibility around our schedules, like as you did, as I did as well, so that we can tend to the matter of being moms, which I think is our most important job. Yes. Um, you know, going back in, like you said, sometimes you don't think of it, but it, an, an industry will change over, you know, a couple of decades because it's just- Many, many yeah. industries change. Yeah. And yeah. the people that you knew are now moved on. So you're talking about all these new people. You don't have the contacts anymore either. Yeah. Yeah, it that's makes amazing. it a lot harder. I love that. I love that. Okay, so now I want to get into after happily ever after. Tell me a little bit about, and I know you and I spoke about it, so I feel like I'm, I'm an insider now, right? I, I have some of the information, but tell me a little bit about just more or less the story, and then I want to just pick your brain a bit on on why. And, okay. and you and I um, talk about it, but tell us a little bit about it. This is the story of Maggie, Maggie Dolan who has given up her high powered job in publishing that she absolutely loved and wanted to just go to the top of. And she has given it up because she decided 17 years before to give it up when she got pregnant and or right when she had her child. Mm -hmm. And she, her daughter is now 17, almost 18. She's getting ready to go off to college. 
And Maggie's realizing that she doesn't know who she is anymore. Oh. And she doesn't know what she's going to do with the rest of her life. And she really goes on a journey to rediscover that. But in the midst of this journey, she's got a long-term marriage and her husband, she knows he's hiding something. She doesn't know what it is. He's distracted. He's disconnected. So their relationship, they absolutely love each other, mm -hmm. but their relationship is at a point right then where they're just not communicating. And she also is very close to her father who starts to go through some major, major issues that she's now dealing with and he's dealing with. She has a very judgmental mother and a brother who she doesn't know why at the time resents her. So all these things, when her father gets diagnosed, all these things sort of come down on her at the same time where she just doesn't know what she's doing or who she is. And she starts to make these decisions that she wouldn't normally make. And these decisions could blow up her whole life. And it's her denial and then her kind of coming to terms with it and realizing, wait, what do I want out of my life now? Wow. So she's, and she's dealing with her daughter pulling away in the sense of how all daughters become independent exactly. and her and her daughter were very, very close and not that they don't love each other, but there's that shift yeah, going it, on. It has to, I love that. And, and Leslie, what I love most about it is that it's so many of our stories, if not all of them, because to us, to varying degrees, especially when we're in the middle of this sandwich, right? And we've been in when you're in the busy. And I think that's one of the things I know my my and I've had this conversation with my husband many times. You know, we got married a month before our wedding. I found out that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so we had we had our daughter, you know, seven months into into wow. being married. And we had we met in January started dating in February, got engaged in June, planned a November wedding. Like our first Thanksgiving, we were already married, pregnant and living in our own place. It was, it was, it was all very I fast. Didn't, I didn't do that. I was, <laughs> we waited a long time. We traveled, we did a bunch of stuff. So I did not get pregnant. Makes right so away. much more sense. Right. <laughs> but, but then, but then as the kids started hitting the teenage years, I remember I would tell my husband, listen, I didn't get married to have an average marriage. I want to have an extort. And we had nine, the nine single cousins that were left in 1987. We all got married in 1987, nine cousins. It was like shower, wedding, shower, wedding. It was the most expensive year in the history of this family. But, but I remember I would, as the kids started getting to that age and we, we took care of both of our moms. They both lived with us. So there was, there was just a lot of busy, a lot of distraction. And I remember I would tell him, listen, we got to go to counseling or something because when these children grow up and go away because they will, right. we're not going to know who we are. We're not going to know who we are as, as people, because we didn't have time to You're discover so busy all that. in the middle of taking care of everybody. Yeah. And that's Maggie's thing too. She's the nurturer. Exactly. So she's nurtured oh. everybody. And all of a sudden it's about, well, what about me? What about I need me? to be nurtured yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find Leslie that in this, in this survey process that you did, that you found that, that that story, I'm, I'm sure it overlapped a bit, but do you find that that was like a majority of the theme, 50%? What, what did you, what did you find? Which theme? Like, like the theme of, of wanting to rediscover and how have I, cause that happened to me at age yeah. 47. I looked in the mirror and I said, who the hell are you? And what have you done with Berta? You know? Exactly. 
Yeah, it was happening to a lot of these people uh, getting close to, they were more thinking about it because their kids were not as old yet, but they were getting there. But a lot of them, they were in long-term marriages. And I have to say a lot of my closer friends walked away from their marriages around right before and right around when they hit 50. And they just said, you know what? And I think it was partially because they didn't know who they were anymore, but they had gotten married young. Mm -hmm. And I think that they just thought, you know what? There's something else out there. And I've grown in a different way from my partner. They stayed close as friends, but they just were like, I'm going a different direction. And I saw a lot of that in my interviews of people just saying like, not complaints about their husband, but just sort of like, I like to do this. He like, doesn't like to do this or Mm -hmm. their conflicts were different than their conflicts had been, you know, 15 years before. Right. And also they were saying that they were so busy raising their kids that their relationship with their husband took a second, you know, backseat. And so they didn't even realize who they were with their husband. And then as their kids leave, they're thinking, well, I don't know if we have anything in common anymore. (laughs) And they, and it was the women. I thought it was interesting. The women were the ones that walked away, not the men. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can totally see that. And I think, you know, it gets to a point where you're like, okay, now we have this big house. The kids are gone. Like, do you have to be here? Right. (laughs) Now what do I do? (laughs) Yeah. I'd so much rather just go and, you know, live a, 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 whatever that looks like. And I, and I, and I, I love that you're saying that Leslie, because I think a lot of times it's, and, and my husband and I were actually talking about this yesterday it becomes then these, the, the collapse of the marriage and, and it doesn't have to be destructive. As you said, many, you know, you, they grew up together, you know, yes. they raised each other almost. Yes. And, and then, so there's still that there's still family, but it, the collapse of the marriage, which then you can take this, this next phase and say, listen, let's rebuild it. Let's come together and let's see, fix what's broken and right. go into our happy years. You don't years. have to end the marriage, but you do have to come to some kind of place where you say, okay, now, wait a minute, where are we? I want to do this. You want to do this. Let's compromise. Whether it's going to counseling, whether it's just talking amongst yourselves, you can be independent, but you mm-hmm. also have to find a place for the marriage or it's not going to stay. It's not going to stay. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Okay. So when you began, when you, how was the decision process to say, you know what, I'm going to sit down and write this book. And I think you, you touched on it a little bit, but why was it important for you to get this story out there? Well, when I first was going to sit down, I didn't know I was writing a book. Honestly, I thought I'd maybe write more essays and that kind of thing, because In my personal essays, I wrote from the I point of view, it was me talking and it, and I did describe things in my marriage and my kids and things that just different kinds of things like that. And I had started taking this workshop and I was in it with somebody else. And it started out with just prompts, you know, write about this, write about that. And I found everything I wrote about in these prompts was a particular person going through a lot of this stuff. Even if I was describing, at one point, the prompt was like, describe your grandmother's kitchen, but put somebody in it. I put Maggie in the kitchen, in her grandmother's house, you know, and so I kept finding, I was going back to this character that felt like it was talking to me. Mm. So then I finally started to say, you know what, there's a book here. And I had to figure out what the story was. And to be honest, I didn't know at the very beginning. I knew generally where I wanted to go, 
Um, I knew that, I, I'm not gonna really give this away, but there's a, um, she kind of gets involved in an emotional affair. And that came from one of my friends who did end up divorced, but she had a 12 year emotional affair with somebody during her marriage because her husband was always traveling for work and paying no attention to her. And she needed some attention, she needed something. So she had this 12 year affair and nothing ever happened between them. And it ended before she even ended her marriage. But I thought that was an interesting thing to have, if you like aren't getting it over here from your husband, there's somebody that's gonna come into your life, even if that's so against your character and right. against everything you believe, somebody can sort of almost groom you in a weird way yes. and, and yes. bring you in. Yes. So I wanted to do that. So I, I wrote it, got to the middle of it without an outline and then sat down and said, I gotta do an outline. This isn't gonna work. That's I know the beginning and the end, but I'm in the middle and I'm stuck. Beautiful. And I know that if I would have done an outline from the beginning, it would have been a much faster process because I have an outline for my second book and it's moving much faster. Good. Good. Um, so I think that that was like my key is you got to okay. have an outline. Okay. <laughs> now, do you think, do you think if you had had the outline, it might've inhibited the creativity or it wouldn't have interfered? I don't think it would have inhibited the creativity because okay. I find with my second book, as I go through the outline and as I write each chapter, I change things. And sometimes I move things around and sometimes I think, oh, you know what? I'm missing a, a chapter in here. So I'll put in another chapter. Nice. I just think it gives you a map to know because in sitcoms, you only have 30 pages. So right. beginning, middle and end are very fast. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy in that sense. With a book, you've got almost whatever, 300 pages. So the beginning is easy, the end is easy, but once you get into the middle, you have to keep the conflict going and you have to keep the reader wanting to turn pages. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like, oh, wow. You know, that's where it gets harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, think, and I think it's filling in those gaps. Like you said, you had the beginning, you had the end. It was, it was that filling in the middle with what's the story, but still it has to be as interesting. You know how they say, yes. listen, if you don't capture them in those first 30 seconds, um, you know, sort of starting there. And I want to ask you about that, Leslie, because I know you're, you're prolific in, in, in your writing. What, what would you tell people that, that, that have this dream of writing a book um, when it comes to just, just how do they start it? Because I know that that plays into number one, how it's read and number two, how it's received even from right. publishing houses. Well, first I would say, just start writing. Even if it's like you're writing a hundred words, start writing just all different kinds of places and scenes and all kinds of things in the genre that you're thinking of. Okay. And eventually you will start to see that these kind of go together. Like the character is starting to talk to you and starting to say, no, no, I'm not like this, I'm like that. I would tell people just to actually just even if it's on their phones and they come up with something, just write it down. And what happens is as you go through your day, you're walking your dogs, your brain starts to do things where it's like, oh, wait, I could put that scene where they're having a fight in a bowling alley. Oh my God, that sounds so weird. And they're <laughs> having this weird fight in a bowling alley or a miniature golf course or whatever. And you'll start to see things where you think that scene would be really funny there. So you don't have to start to sit down and go, I'm writing a book and I'm starting here and I'm writing an outline. 
you can do it slower if it's almost like a scary process, which it was for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never thought I would write a book. To me, wow. even writing a feature film was like, oh my God, that sounds crazy. <laughs> I'd written hour dramas and half hour comedies. And I just thought, oh my God, anything longer, I'll never be able to do it. Uh, wow. That's so it's one of those things you just have to do. And the other thing I would say, it doesn't matter how old you are. I'm right now meeting a ton of authors and there's a lot of them that are way older than me. And there's people that don't start their first book until they're in their seventies, eighties. I mean, there's a woman that I heard just recently and I can't remember where I heard it. That was like 90 and she wrote a book. <gasps> wow. So it's one of those things that, you know, you don't have to say, I'm not going to do this because I'm older than everybody else. Cause you're not. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like people who are authors really aren't. Most of them have had jobs and careers somewhere else and gave up those jobs and careers and decided to write a book. Yeah. So it's not like entering, I don't know, like if I wanted to go now be a yoga teacher, I might be old for a yoga teacher. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's things that you can do and writing is absolutely one of them that you can just get right back in. I love that. I love that. And thank you for sharing. And I think it really is just a matter of perspective. I remember when I turned 40, my grandfather must have been, you know, in his 90s already or something like that, or pushing 90. And I remember I was like, oh my God, but can you believe I'm 40? And he's like, you're you're a baby. You're just getting started. Of course, when you look at that perspective, it's it's, you know, everybody was young to him because, and he was still, you know, all there and and but it really is so crucial to to play into that and really just to follow your heart and what you want to do. And yes. Leslie, let me ask you, when you decided that you were going to make it a fiction, right? Did it give you, did it give you more um, license to to do it differently? Or, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to determine... It did because when it was nonfiction, you want to tell those people's stories the way they put them down. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel that was the other thing. I didn't feel like I was really right. I was putting it together, but I didn't feel like I was completely writing something because I didn't want to change somebody else's story. This is Maggie's story and I can do anything I want with Maggie's story and I can, you know, use from anybody I know that has told me stories, but not their exact story, because I just don't do that. But I mean, like pieces here and there to make Maggie feel as relatable as possible to women. I mean, I tried to do that with her husband and the book, Jim, and tried to make him relatable to men. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the father, her father, who's Mm -hmm. older going through all this. I wanted him to be relatable both to somebody who has been a caregiver or child of a parent who has gone through a lot of health issues Mm -hmm. and I also wanted it to be for that person who has found themselves with health issues and been scared and not know how to tell their families and all that kind of thing so I was trying to make everybody as relatable to to everybody because most of us have a mother or father or kids or you know whatever and I wanted it to be relatable to somebody who was reading it yeah and I love that because we can really get so much more into a story and learn more from the story when we are in the story 
it doesn't have to be, it might not be the same character for everyone, but, but we're going to find ourselves somewhere in there, or at least, at least part of, part of what's going on. I just, I just love that you. And those are the kind of books I like to read is about real people, even if it's in some weird situation, or even if it's in World War II, I like to read books where they feel like real people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I love it. But I love because I know that women's issues are, are of particular importance to you. So what what is what is your your hope for this book? My hope for this book is to give people when they read it a chance to either see themselves or see them their family and to understand that they're not alone, that even if this is a character, obviously I wrote this character, mm -hmm. there's a lot of other women out there. I think sometimes women can feel isolated and if they're not talking enough to other people or they don't have, their kids are off in college. And by that point, sometimes you have mom friends, sometimes you don't, it depends on your life and you know the direction it took. But if you're more isolated, I wanted them to see, look, other people have gone through this. I'm not the only one that got to this point and thought, what else is out there, you know? And so that's really what I want from people who read my book is to just feel like they're being heard, honestly, like their stories are being heard. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it sounds like you really incorporated a lot of time and research and effort to yeah. make sure that you're combining a lot of these characteristic situations and things that people are going through. I, I did, because just... I also had to do research on what happens to the father. Mm. And I met with a neuropsychologist. I joined a Facebook page that they allowed me to be on it so I could see some of the people that were writing were caregivers and they were describing what was happening to whoever they were taking care of. Wow. And some of the people, every once in a while, you would get somebody who wasn't a caregiver, who was the person. Uh, for the most part, they were caregivers describing situations and asking questions like, what do I do for my husband who's having this issue or whatever? Mm -hmm. So, and then the neuropsychologist helped me go through what exactly would happen and the process of not, there's not really a treatment, so to speak, but the process of what would happen to this person and the tests they would do. And that was very helpful because, I mean, so far, nobody has said to me, oh my God, that couldn't have happened, which I don't think they will because I took everything from real situations, even though I changed what happened, mm -hmm. the actual things that happened to this man when he was going through it are things that have happened in the world. Wow. So wow. to people, yeah. So Leslie, let me ask you a question because I know that, that it, it you know, you read it and then you reread it and then it goes into editing and you come back and you reread it. How many times did you, did you change, tweak, you know, <laughs> modify <laughs> if there's even a count because. Oh my God. Way, <laughs> way too many. Yeah. Um, you know, the first time I sent it in, then I changed a little bit to the publisher and then I changed a little bit and then eventually it gets proofed and all that stuff. And it goes out to ARCs, which are advanced copy readers, mm -hmm. which are for publicity and for certain people, you can put them in for awards and stuff, but it's before the book comes out. Yeah. And then leading up to the book, I read it again and I proofed it again and I tweaked and I, cause there was like a, one place where I realized, oh, time passed and I didn't have this person. I had this person like leaving and they were just in pajamas so I went oh my gosh I just realized that nobody ever said a word about it wow um I did have the book after the first draft I had it read by two authors 
and they gave me notes, which were great notes, and I rewrote it. So it's it's been rewritten, you know, a number of times. I I don't even want to read it right now because I'm sure I'll yeah. see something that I want to rewrite. <laughs> so it's easier to go, no, 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 I'm not going to reread it. Yeah, yeah. And and when you when you you finally decide, okay, this is this is this is the final one. How did that feel for you? when you said the book is oh my god when I printed it out it was like this thick because it's it was on regular paper I printed right. it before I sent it to the publisher right and I just kept looking at it and going oh my gosh oh my gosh I did that I finished this thing that you know printing it out is it's it's amazing and then to hear a publisher say yeah we're gonna publish it oh. that's super exciting it it took a year and a half to actually come out because the way the publisher works, they publish a certain amount of books a year mm -hmm. and they fill that up. So it took a year and a half, but it was still, it was like, it felt so good to know that I actually did it. And then when I talked to people and they said, what are you doing? Instead of saying, I'm writing a book, I could say, I finished a book and it's being published, yes. which was just yes. like so exciting. <laughs> I love wonderful. that. I love that. And congratulations again for that. Thank I know you. it's a big deal. And, and I, I just love that, that you're speaking to so many of us, you know, through, through Maggie's story. So thank you. Thank you for that. So no, Leslie, let me ask you something. If we looked you up in the dictionary, what would I, it say? It would say a loyal, good friend who loves coconut. Oh, nice. Me too. Not your no nuts. I'm enjoying your nut or mounds. Oh, I I would eat either one, honestly. <laughs> but I like dark chocolate, so I'd have to say mounds. Oh, okay, okay. Because I like the nuts and I don't like dark chocolate. I like ah, I like, so I like the good. unhealthy stuff. I like the, the nuts the too, chocolate. but I like dark chocolate more. I love it. Very, very cool. Good. I didn't know that. See, I didn't know that about you. Okay, yep. so what is your holy shit factor? You know, that, that thing that people, when they hear it, they're like, oh, holy shit, that is so Leslie. Well, I don't know if this is so me, but the holy shit factor that I could think of was many, many, many years ago, I was actually in a movie with Mary Tyler Moore, Ted Danson, Sam Waterston, and Christine <gasps> Lottie. What? Many, many years What? Ago. I wanted to be an actress when I was in college, and... I was working at the MTM studios. And so the, the director of that movie um, had me come in and read and then he hired me for, I mean, a bit part, but I did work with them. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Was that uh people? What, what, what was, what movie was that? It was called just between friends. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh my God. I was at the very end of the movie and it was like, Oh my God. No. That, and I don't usually say that out loud anymore. I no, like that's so cool. I love it. I so love long. it. I mean, I did a few commercials and a few other things, but that was like, Very that cool. was like when people go, you worked with Mary Tyler Moore. And yeah, man. That yeah. is so crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. I love that. So Leslie, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Where can we get the book? Uh, tell us a little bit about how we can we can find. Okay. After well, I have a website. It's okay. lesliearasmussen.com. Okay, and I'll share I'm that. I'm on um, Instagram at Leslie R Author. I'm on Twitter at Leslie R Author. Nice. I'm on Facebook at After Happily Ever After Novel. Nice. And the book can be gotten anywhere. 
I mean, anywhere books are sold, um, it's, you know, on Amazon, it's on Apple, it's on Google, it's everywhere. Everywhere. I love it. I love it. Good, good. So, okay. I have one more question before we go. And I want to thank you again, Leslie, because I know how busy this time is for you. And I know how valuable your time oh, is. This so has been a pleasure. I've loved this. I am just so grateful for you for coming on and sharing all this with us. I think everyone um, out there has a book inside of them. It's just that, that taking that step to get it done. So yes. I appreciate everything yes. that you've shared. So, okay. Last question. What is the big dream? The big dream would be to continue writing. Mm -hmm. And I would love my books. It's not about being a bestseller as far as like money. It's about being known as somebody who writes books that people really enjoy reading. Yes. That is my big dream is that people really, and I've been getting good reviews. So I'm happy about that because I, my favorite reviews are when people say, oh my God, I'm Maggie. I mean, that's my oh, all-time favorite. That's amazing. So I, that would be my biggest dream is beautiful. just to keep writing, have my next book come out and to have people reading my books. I love it. I love it. Leslie, thank you so much. I just, I just fell in love with you and your energy from the first oh, conversation. So grateful to Meg for the introduction. Yes, Meg, I, I know Meg. And she's amazing. I love her. But Leslie, thank you and continued success. And, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right, you guys, go out there and do good and be great and go play outside. Have fun.